G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A wonderful opportunity today to reflect on some of the changes, some of the posturing that's happening in places like the Middle East. Uh, With the rise of Iran as a power and the posturing that's going on between Iran and the United States and the support that might be coming for both sides uh, from various nations around the world. Well, some insights today from Dr. Daniel Shyester. He has a significant history, a teacher of Islamic philosophy back in the days when he was a member of the Iranian Revolutionary Army and, in fact, was part of leading Muslim fundamentalists in the 1970s, supporting the Ayatollah Khomeini at the time when there was the overthrow of the Shah of Iran. He has a significant story of how he came to be a Christian. But today, some insights from Dr. Daniel Shayester on some of the movements and posturing that are going on around the world. Daniel, a special welcome along to 2020. So good to be with you here. Thank you so much. Daniel, some people will look at Donald Trump and they'll say this is the way he does business. This is the way he runs a negotiation. He's very confrontational. When you think of what might be going on in the minds of Islamic leaders in Iran, what are your thoughts for what they would be feeling, uh, given that there's been all sorts of issues, uh, even uh, missiles fired at ships over this past week, uh, all sorts of things happening? What's going on in the mind of the Islamic leaders? Um, Islamic leaders have learned from the history that if you find a serious enemy that uh, he or she is uh, aiming to do what he is speaking, and they need to really um, exercise, show, present their muscles, you know, uh, to frighten the other party. Ideologically, Islam should uh, show, you know, its voice is stronger when enemy is showing, you know, enemy is showing itself. I think this is a time that um, they need to, to, they think that they need to show some serious presentation to American government that Iran is not going to sit back and Iran, you know, uh, is not any less than America. And uh, they have learned from Taliban. You know, we know that Taliban for years uh, just uh, fought and uh, you know, we stood its its position, and eventually we see that uh, even America sat with them uh, round around the table, and Iran is thinking the same. Possibly put pressure on America, you know, uh, not to uh, um, you know exercise the muscle against uh, Islam. So that's that's an ideological really uh, presentation. Typically, world leaders are not humble and uh, taking as we understand as Christians, uh, turning the other cheek when there are those sorts of posturings made. So you've got uh, America 
standing very strong and saying, we won't be moved. And you've got the Iranians who don't want to lose face uh, and they will stand strong. And the risk here, of course, is that there could be deepening and more open conflict. Is, is this something that would be in the heart of I- Islamic leaders? I don't think so. Iran knows that America is serious and Trump is serious. They are just, you know, pre- doing some presentation, you know, to frighten America. But Iran absolutely won't enter the war. And Iran, to some extent, is relying on Russia. But Russia is very clever. Russia doesn't want to enter in war with America or, or in a sense, to reveal its, you know, army capacity to America. We know today that America is the most strong country army-wise in the world, and even China and Russia, they're afraid, you know, their capacities to be revealed. So Iran knows that, and Iran knows that even Russia played some games in uh, Syria. Neither Iran was happy, nor, uh, you know, the Syrian government. So... Iran is just really showing itself to America that I'm serious. But Iran knows that even George Bush, you know, went and destroyed um, Iran's mighty enemy, Saddam Hussein, and they are serious. So it's just an exercise to show to them that they uh, are powerful. But Iran never, never will enter in any serious war with America. It's a very significant relationship developing, though, isn't it, between Iran and the Russians, as you say. Mm -hmm. And just over these past weeks, we've seen this increasing relationship between the Russians and the Chinese. When there is a standoff in international affairs like this, uh, those sorts of partnerships uh, really look quite dangerous and destabilizing for the sorts of peace we've seen in the world. What are your thoughts about those relationships? Um, they they know that. I mean, um, Chinese government knows that. Russian government know, and Iranian government know. Ex- again, I said that they are just you know showing their muscle to to America that we are united with each other, and also they are the me- you know China and uh, um, uh, and and Russia. They are the you know, a uh, strong member of the United Nations and they politically they have power. They are just, you know, to some extent they have discovered in the past that if they really put pressure on America and they will, uh, you know, uh, gain some points here. But again, this is, this war, you know, game is a very dangerous game and, uh, both Russia and China know that they should not enter that war, but they are just pushing Iran. You know, to uh, show some harsh face to America, uh, you know, just to convince America, you know, or 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 uh, to, um, in in other words, to discourage, you know, Trump. Let me ask you about what seems to be a friendly relationship between Islamic states and the communist states. They do have some natural affinity. And I know that this goes back into your history too, even back into the days when the Shah of Iran was overthrown by the Revolutionary Guard, the Islamists. Mm -hmm. This relationship between the communists and Islam, this is concerning, isn't it? It is concerning. I mean, we see in all Western countries now, you know, strong far left is... uh, you know, uniting with uh, Muslims simply 
uh, with committed Muslims simply because uh, they just want to overthrow the, you know, Western culture, you know, democratic Western culture. And ideologically, we have seen throughout the history that radical Muslims and uh, communists were close to, you know, each other simply because the Western culture was taken the major enemy. And even though we see that the world today has more economic side of it, but the ideology also is playing uh, a, a role there because ideology is also one of the important thing. You know, for example, China doesn't want still to say that uh, communism is not able to run the economy. And even though China is fully following the capitalist system in its own country, but it still wants to, you know, make that voice louder you know, to the world, to some of the leftists and atheists that uh, communism is still is able to run the economy. Some people will be saying and asking the sort of question that says, uh, which one is stronger? Is the communism of the world stronger than the rising Islam in the world? Your perceptions about whether they actually can live even comfortably together or whether they, in fact, would even eventually come into conflict? I think I think Islamic voice is stronger. Communism is just uh, trying to abuse, you know, Muslim, committed Muslim for a while, you know, uh, to use them as a forefront, you know, soldiers, like, you know, uh, China is doing toward Iran, you know, to show its muscle. But communism has proven in the last decades and uh, century that doesn't have a sound, you know, economic system uh, to uh, encouraging economic improvement. Uh, so this is the case. I think the voice of Muslims are stronger simply because the um, is many Islamic countries are the source of oil and uh, that oil is, you know, uh, indirectly causing them to have a strong voice in the world and especially in the United Nations. Imagine that, you know, some Islamic countries who, that are cruel, I mean, they are the members of human rights in the, in the United Nations. How can it be? It's the power of oil and the Muslims have, you know, the strengths they have gained through the oil. Daniel, on another dimension to what's developing globally today, of course, you have Iran, which has its Shia foundations, and you have Saudi Arabia that uh, Donald Trump has sidled up to and uh, done all sorts of arms deals and become friends with. And in some sense, that's united those nations that are Sunni aligned in the Middle East. How does this all play out uh, into the future? What are your predictions for how things are posturing on that dimension? Um, Iranian government is going to lose. Shia power is going to lose because they are not... You know, Saudi Arabia is, is, is a bit closer to reality. I mean, from three, four years ago, they realized that, you know, standing behind extremism is a danger for them too. So they, what they did, they included, um, economic ideology in their life too. But Iran is a terrorist government, just, you know, narrow minded, doesn't care about economy. The country itself is falling, you know, at, uh, 
on the edge of collapse, economically speaking. So that government is not going to stay there. I mean, especially when you do not have people behind you. More than 90% of Iranians hate this leadership. How can you survive in a country that your people is not behind you? So that's going to finish. And this is the mistake of Russia and China. They are just relying on a power that doesn't, doesn't have any power among its own people. And Daniel, let me ask you about Iran. It was your homeland. I don't know whether you ever have opportunity to go back there uh, these days. Not for uh, 30 years. No, and uh, you may not be welcomed under the current regime. You have this history, and yet we hear wonderful stories in Iran about the rise of the Christian church, uh, people converting to Christianity. As we're talking to uh, people who will be... Uh, solid in their Christian faith today and wondering how does this man think we ought to pray for brothers and sisters in Iran? What's your encouragement for listeners? Well, Iranian discovered, you know, the, um, you know, uh, theocracy in that country, Islamic theocracy that um, is, is not open to a flat, participative, and dynamic leadership. Because if you want really to improve, your leaders should be humble, you know, include people in the decision making. And that's what, that was the reason Western countries, you know, were prospered in every way. Because the leadership of Christ is a dynamic, open leadership. It's the flat leadership. You cannot be, you know, you, you can, you cannot prosper through a dictatorial or even hierarchical leadership from top to down. And people saw this in the last 40 years through media and compared their own life with the life in the Western countries. And they believe that they, they are following a, you know, perfect religion. But in the last 40 years in Iran, they discovered their Islam and Islamic theocracy perf- perfectly jailed them inside the country in every way. So that's why many people became interested in Western culture and uh, thereby in Christian culture, and many of them have given their heart to the Lord. And I tell you, even today, illiterate people are interested in Christianity. So that's why we need to direct our you know, prayer in that way and pray for Iranians. And Iran is the number one country for giving many, many young people to Christ. Well, great insights. I thank you so much for taking some time to share these with us today. I'll point listeners to a number of books that you've written. You've written a lot of books. Uh, One that you wrote back in 2016, Understanding and Freedom, Detailed Comparison Between Islam and Christianity. Another one called Islam and the Son of God, Islam, the House I Left Behind, and The Difference is the Son. And Christ Above All, all of those books uh, for listeners, available when you search for Daniel Shayesta on Amazon. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say about some of the books that you've written of recent times, Daniel? Um, understanding and Freedom, simply because understanding and freedom in Islam, most Islamic countries is illegal. And that's why we are encouraging Muslims to take responsibility for their own personal life, use their God-given capacity to compare, to listen, to, you know, make it, make it nice, you know, a, a creative choice for themselves. And that was mo- my motivation to um, help Muslims to understand their religions in the, their religion in the context of the world. In other words, in everywhere to compare 
and to see really which one is the best and can make them creative and choose that. And that was my motivation to write that book. Well, Dr. Daniel Shayester, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with us. I know you're a big supporter of Voice of the Martyrs. I'll point people also to Voice of the Martyrs website, vom.com.au. Daniel, thanks for being with us on 2020. Pleasure to be with you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.